Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hi, everyone. Gal Sassan is on Inside Scoop Live today to talk about his latest book, The Astrology of 2023, Traversing the Bridge. It's an essential guide to help you navigate the astrology of 2023, and I think you'll find after listening to our conversation that this book really stands distinctly from any other book on the topic. But before we get started, let's get the inside scoop on the author. Gal Sassan is an established author and has been teaching workshops on storytelling, Kabbalah, astrology, and mysticism around the globe for over 20 years. His first book, A Wish Can Change Your Life, has been translated into over eight languages and is endorsed by H.H., the 14th Dalai Lama. His second work, Cosmic Navigator, is the essential reference guide to understanding your astrological makeup. And he's been publishing a yearly best-selling book on the astrology of the upcoming year since 2018. He currently resides in Los Angeles, but gives seminars and workshops regularly in over 13 countries. He also has a podcast called The Cosmic Navigator Astrology Show, and you can learn more about Gal Sassan and his work on his website at CosmicNavigator.com. Well, hi, Gal. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm so curious about your book, and I can't wait to dig into it. But before we get started, I wonder if you could tell us a bit about yourself. What inspired your journey as the Cosmic Navigator? Well, a series of um, synchronicities, and that's what really taught me quite a lot about astrology, because astrology, the whole basis of astrology, and later I found out, is the connection between the above and the below, you know, as, as above, so below, and whatever happens in the celestial or the uh, solar system environment also happens below, and it's not necessarily cause and effect, it's more like a correlation. Mm. And what happened with me is that I basically followed my name. My name in Hebrew, Gal, means a wave. And right when I'm done, I was done with uh, my studies in psychology. My friends, who end up happened to be cancer, which is the sign of water, called me up. Uh, we were living in Israel at that time and saying, uh, why don't you join us to Mexico? We're going to learn how to surf. We're going to go surfing. Hmm. And at first, I didn't feel like it so much because I had some bad news before that. But I said, you know what? If my name means a wave, I should definitely go learn to surf, even <laughs> if it means going to the other side of the world in Mexico and doing it. And I end up going there. It was kind of fun. I almost died, but that always happens when you're doing you know, incredible things in your life. I was in my Saturn return. It happens to everybody between 27 to 30. It's a time of reckoning. It's a time of a lot of pressure to decide who you are, what you're all about, confronting quite a lot of uh, dangerous moments. It also happened to people 56 to 60 and 87, 88 to 90. It's basically every 30 years. And then what happened uh, after that, I, I found myself in Guadalajara. It's the only city with international airport in Mexico at that time. And my friends went back to Israel and I had a little bit longer before I need to go back to school. So I said, you know, I'll just go down to Guatemala and learn Spanish. Hmm. And then on my last day in Guadalajara, right about before I was supposed to go to Guatemala, 
I had this really strange encounter with somebody in the street that told me that he can show me the real Mexico. And I said, okay. And we took one bus, we took another bus. And I was thinking, oh my God, this is precisely what happened. <laughs> uh, all of us warned us in Mexico at that time that people steal your organs and leave you in a hotel if you're lucky uh, in a tub full of ice, you know. And I said, this is precisely how these stories come up <laughs> and begin. And I decided, you know what, this is a junction. A lot of time we have moments in our life that we feel like there's a junction. And in the uh, Ifa tradition in Africa, in the junction, we have always the idea of the elegua, like the messenger, the keeper of the crossroads. You know, mm -hmm. later on in Christianity, of course, they transformed him into uh, the devil. But it's not the devil who is in the crossroad. It's actually elegua. Uh, that's coming from Santeria also. So mm -hmm. idea is that always when you're in a junction in your life, there is something happening that feels very monumental, but you don't really know how it's going to turn out. And then it actually ended up being a very nice encounter. And then when we were walking back to the bus station, I heard this drum and bass sound from coming out from one of the uh, humble apartments around there. And I said to myself, it would be great to see a band in uh, Mexico play, like an anthropological experience. You know, I love music. And we went into the house. There was a mic there and I started um, singing. And oh. I just decided I need to sing because I always wanted to be a, a singer. I had a rock band in Israel. And the next thing I know is I stayed there for three hours. They don't speak uh, English. I don't speak Spanish. I just thanked them for the experience. And the day after, they came into my little uh, uh, guest house uh, where I was staying and saying, okay, we need to create a band with you because we were waiting for the audition for a singer. And he never showed up. And you showed up out of nowhere. So it's probably meant to be. Ah. And I said, no, no, no. I'm going to Guatemala to learn Spanish. They said, well, we speak Spanish. We'll teach you Spanish. Just stay. So I said, okay. And I stayed there. And then two weeks after, my uh, guitar player in the band told me, you know, you need to meet this band, this group of people. They they meet once a week. And that was two weeks after I said to myself, after I had this experience with this woman who read my chart out of nowhere, and I said, you know, this is really good. I studied psychology and it feels like astrology has much more to teach me than psychology. And I kind of talked to the universe in a very informal way. And I said, listen, God, if... I'm supposed to know astrology. I don't have money. I don't speak Spanish. And it's before internet. So I can't really do research in Guadalajara where to learn astrology. You have to show it to me in a very blunt way. And two weeks after, sure enough, without me asking anybody, the guitar player showed me this group of people that turned out to be that they're studying astrology. So I came to the teacher and I told him, listen, I have no money, but I speak Hebrew. And I saw that you're teaching Kabbalah as well. And I can help you with the Hebrew. And he says, great. So we have a trade. And I stayed there for two years. So wow. that's how I got to astrology, or maybe astrology got to me. <laughs> wow, that's an amazing story. You could write a yeah, book about that. that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that taught me that we just have to sometimes follow synchronicities. People a lot of times say, oh, I see one, one, one. I see two, two, two. Great. So what? It's almost like God is calling you and you're just overwhelmed by the fact that he called you instead of just answering the phone and speaking, you know. So I think synchronicities are very much uh, the way for the one to say, here I am. Mm. It's a moment, what is synchronicity? A connection, two different lines coming together, conjuncting. Uh, that's how a cross is formed, by two lines coming into the nexus. And that nexus is a symbol of oneness. So anytime you have a synchronicity, a coincidence, it's not like, oh, it's like entertainment. It's not entertainment. This is a, a moment where you are coming closer to a very important moment in your life before marriage, after marriage, before divorce, before moving to a different place, before changing your career. All of those monumental moments in our life are usually 
preceded with a series of synchronicities. Hmm. That's really interesting. And so I think uh, from the age groups, you just said, I'm in one of those age brackets. So and that's not necessarily good or bad. It just is means something's going to happen. Uh, no, it just means that more things are happening. More per things. Se. Okay. More things are happening. There is, uh, you know, Saturn is the great teacher. In Kabbalah, Saturn is associated with the Lady of Understanding. It's like, it's a teacher that teaches you through hardship. Sometimes it, it's a kind of a teacher that teaches you what you want by showing you what you don't want. Oh, and okay. Saturn helps us break patterns. If you think about uh, Jesus, he started his ministry at the age of 30, right when Saturn return was going on. Same thing with the Buddha. He started his journey to discover the source of suffering at the age of 30. Uh, just now, this last week, if you followed the news and heard about what was going on with the FTX uh, collapse, you mm -hmm. know, that everybody's comparing into the Lehman brother, guess what? Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried is 30 years old, going through his Saturn return. All of those things are... Saturn return is almost like an accountant who comes and shows you uh, where you need to grow and you need to fix. It's usually the breaker of patterns. Uh, and that is pattern comes from patron. You know, it's the um, mm -hmm. idea of a mold that repeats itself in a sense. And whenever Saturn return happens, 37 to 30, uh, 27 to 30, 56 to 60, like we said, 88 to um, 90, that's the time where we are confronted by what is called Lord Karma. What is karma in Sanskrit? Action and reaction. So actions that you've carried out in the last 27, 30 years, you're now dealing with it. Mm, okay. That is so interesting. So I guess before we get into things any further, why don't you tell us about your book? Uh, what is the astrology of 2023 all about? And then what is the significance of the subtitle Traversing the Bridge? Well, the title itself is very self-explanatory. It's about astrology of 2023. That's why I always add, because I've been doing it since 2018. Mm. Uh, my dog died in 2018. It was the year of the dog. And I, then I decided, you know what? I'm going to dedicate an astrology book to my dog. Mm. And it started off as a little joke, but then it turned out to be a commitment that I do every year, which is kind of a lot of work if you think about it. Uh, you write a book that the shelf life is about, what, four or five months, yeah. you know? But this is like what I've learned from the Tibetan. It's called the mandala. Mandala is when you have this sand painting, when people work for months to make this amazing painting created by sand, colored sand. And then the Lama comes and just destroys it and takes the sand back to the river. Mm -hmm. And it's the idea of impermanence, that everything in life is impermanent, you know, that you can't get attached to things. So these books every year is my mandala, my intellectual mandala. I send it out there and then the Lama of time comes and takes it away when 2023 becomes 2024 and my book is irrelevant. So <laughs> the idea behind the, this series is that I have to have a subtitle to it to explain the essence of the year. For example, last year was a, a sacrifice of love. And I always thought, I wonder why I'm saying it. I knew that the year is in numerology six. Six is associated in Kabbalah, in Hinduism, uh, the chakra system with the heart. The heart is a lot of time associated with Christ consciousness, the idea of sacrifice for the greater good. And I thought, okay, it's a year of the sacrifice. And I said, by the way, that the color is going to be yellow or gold. And uh, because, again, in Kabbalah, the uh, sphere for the heart, the sixth sphere, which is called beauty, is related to gold and yellow. 
And lo and behold, right in February 24, Russia invaded Ukraine, and we're all doing this sacrifice for love. Think about how everybody has to pay more in the gas station, inflation, a lot of insecurities that are going to happen in the winter also, especially in Europe. They're going to have to sacrifice some days without heat. Everybody is being sacrificed in a sense, or everybody sacrificed something for Ukraine in mm. a sense. And Ukraine's flag is yellow and blue. So every year I try to give an essence or a kind of a capsule of that year and 2023, it's traversing the bridge because there seems to be a lot of planets and heavenly bodies that are changing signs. Whenever you change a sign, you kind of change archetype, you change colors, you change frequency, you change energies. So we have Saturn moving away from Aquarius where it's been since the beginning of the pandemic. So right in March 2020, Saturn moved into Aquarius, which is the sign of communities, people, groups, organizations, technology, science. And what we have, we have suddenly social distancing. Suddenly mm -hmm. we change our friendships. Suddenly we're doing everything over Zoom. Uh, you know, last time Saturn was in Aquarius is when the internet was invented. 30 oh, wow. years later, bang, Saturn return of the internet. Everybody uses the internet to survive in a time of the pandemic. Every person in the planet. And it's the first time, 2020, where the whole human race was battling the same foe you know what i mean we're yeah. either from antarctica all the way to um to uh the arctic you know from the left to the right from the the east to the west and that is a aquarius is the sign of humanity so it's kind of interesting we had to deal with that then um in march 7 next year saturn is going to move into pisces it's a completely different energy and we're going to have that for three years then pluto the lord of transformation right in march as well is moving from capricorn where it was since 2008 which is precisely the time of the uh, great recession all the way up until uh, december so uh, until march and in march of next year it's going to move into aquarius for the first time in 250 years. Last time uh, Pluto was in Aquarius was when the Constitution of the United States was written, when the French Revolution was going on, when the Industrial Revolution was going on. And think about how much now is prevalent the idea of what is the Constitution? Uh, what are we going to hold on in the Constitution? And of course, the whole idea of the French Revolution, the power to the people, we the people. And now look at what's happening already in Iran when there is a revolution again of people demanding freedom. It's almost as if they took the same slogans from the French Revolution, from mm. the American Revolution. So Pluto is moving a sign. Um, Jupiter is moving a sign. The North Node is moving a sign. There's so many planets moving signs as above, so below. It also means to me that there's going to be a movement of the people, that there's going to be some kind of traversing a, a bridge. So that's the idea behind the title. And the book itself is basically divided into three parts. The first part is just talking about, I call it the special guest stars, which is almost every day what kind of planets are moving or changing or what's the climate like what's the weather report for that specific day and then the second part is just the general trends of the year for example when to start your new resolution a lot of new resolution end with uh, failure actually 80 percent 85 percent and the reason why is a because people choose the wrong one and b because they started in the wrong time and this year is going to start 2023 with the mars retrograde with mercury retrograde a lot of challenging uh, aspects so that's why it's important to know when to start uh, a little bit about the year of the rabbit the water rabbit that's coming next year um, major trends that are happening a lot of historical um, anecdote of what happened last time certain planets were transiting in the same signs and the last part is for every sign month to month basically description of the um, archetypes or the energies that are happening for every sign 
for every month. So that's the logic of the book, basically. Okay, okay. That's so interesting what you said about New Year's resolutions, because I find that I'll set an intention, but I'll never start them in January. And I found myself the last two years starting them in May. (laughs) So I don't know what that means. But you know, maybe well, it could mean that you were Celtic in a past life because Maypole May is opposite of the Celtic New Year, which is basically October 31st, Halloween. So it could be that you have an echo of what I call a reverberation, in a sense, from um, a past life that influences your decision. Also, uh, usually in the last few years, especially, it was very tough to start the new year uh, resolution on January 1st. Don't forget that January 1st has no astrological meaning. Mm. Um, it's basically Julius Caesar that decided uh, that that it should start then. You yeah. know? So it's the only thing that has it gained power because everybody starts the year then. But there's nothing energetically speaking significance. For example, if you look at the Tibetan New Year's or the Chinese New Year or the Jewish New Year or the Ramadan, all of those holidays, even Christmas, even uh, Easter, they're all based on astrology. That's why I write in the book that astrology is the mother of sciences and the mother of religion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So who will benefit from reading the astrology of 2023? Do you feel like it's a good fit for those beginning in in the practice as well as those that have more experience? I believe so because I come out of the assumption that you don't know nothing about astrology. Mm-hmm. And yet I also know a lot of my clients, a lot of my, uh, my readers know astrology. So every book for me is kind of a, a challenge of how to make it absolutely good for everyone. So if it says Mercury retrograde, I explain what it is. I explain why we think that Mercury is going backward. But at the same time, while I'm describing Mercury retrograde, I will give something that would make even astrologer thinks differently about it by saying that during Mercury retrograde, anything to do with synchronicities, coincidences, prayer, healing works better because in Mercury retrograde, communication between people, what I call horizontal communication, are flawed, meaning that your mail doesn't get on time, your emails are not processed well, you make a lot of mistakes, your computers uh, have glitches and so forth, you're late to appointments. Okay, everybody knows that. But it's because Mercury sends most of his personnel to kind of deliver messages from the above and to below, which means basically vertical communication. So communication is still going perfectly well in Mercury retrograde. It's just that the direction is different. And for many astrologers, it's a different way of looking at astrology. Mm -hmm. But for people who never studied astrology, they still get to know that in Mercury retrograde, things get messed up. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the basic knowledge points those interested in learning more about the subject should know? It's always good to know your sun sign, which is what your sign is, your rising sign, which is determined by your time of birth, and your moon sign. This is what I call the trinity in astrology. Mm. It's literally the father, the sun, the mother, the moon, not the Holy Ghost because we didn't kill her yet, and child instead of the sun, which is your rising sign, you. So that's the trinity of uh, astrology. And you can find it anywhere. I mean, you can even go to my website, cosmicnavigator.com, and there is under Learn a free app that you can use to do as many charts as you want Mm. uh, without emails, without anything. 
So basically, you need to know your rising sign because that's your path in this lifetime. That's the road that you're choosing to, to walk. doesn't matter what your sign is. Your sign is what you strive to become. So let's say you are a Scorpio. It's not that you're sexy all the time or that you're killing everybody because Scorpio is death and sexuality. You're striving to understand intimacy, master sexuality. That's maybe why you would do it more or might, why it will be important in your life and understand the idea of death. It's not that you're born into the sign that you have the strongest connection, opposite. You're born to the sign that many lifetimes you probably avoided reincarnating into, mm. you know? The same way that if you go to a school to learn Spanish, it's most likely because you don't speak Spanish, right? So, uh, and your moon sign is how you emotionally react as you're walking the path, your rising sign towards your sun sign, which is what you strive to become. Okay. All right. Yeah, I looked at the reading chart that you had available, and I didn't know my birth time, so I, I need to get with my mom. And In the United States, you can actually ask the hospital. In other places in the world, it's a little bit harder. Oh, okay. Everything you're talking about is so fascinating to me, and, and you're actually making me want to go and learn more. Uh, but I do feel like it's it's often misunderstood. Do you come across that a lot? There are a lot of people are skeptical about astrology, and I totally understand that because there is no scientific proof to astrology. And I don't think there could be unless we maybe start working more with quantum mechanics, because in classical science, uh, everything has a cause and effect. And astrology is not causal. It's much more uh, synchronistic, meaning much more correlation. Even Jung, which actually coined the word synchronicity, along with the scientist, uh, with the physicist Pauli, um, they talked about how it is causality that is causing us to be confused, that really there is the correlation, that synchronicity is some kind of a correlation. That's why he was really fascinated by astrology. Mm -hmm. I think that Jung took from astrology the idea of synchronicity, as above, so below, and the idea of archetypes, the 12 signs. So there is a lot of skepticism around astrology because you cannot prove it scientific. They call it superstitious. But not everything that you can't prove scientifically doesn't exist or is superstitious. Love cannot be proven scientifically. God cannot be proven scientifically. Mm -hmm. And yet there's a lot of people who emotionally are moved by these two subjects. Now, the idea about science is that if some experiment happened all the time everywhere, it's considered to be valid. The idea in astrology is that for every experiment, there is a date of birth. So maybe Mercury is retrograde when you're doing the experiment and you're going to mess it up. Or maybe you're going now through your Saturn return and you're not supposed to discover it right now. Do you know what I mean? There's so much forces that are affecting everything. I think that maybe eventually through the science of uh, quantum mechanics, it will be easier because in quantum mechanics, they talk about entanglement when two particles were created at the same time, at the same moment, they're linked together in a sense. And maybe when we're born, we have some part of us linked to Saturn, to the moon, to the sun, to every aspect of our solar system. Don't forget that the solar system is really the sun. You know, if you zoom out of the solar system and far away, you'll only see the sun mm. twinkling. Okay. So we're all stardust in a sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not even so much the, the skepticism. Um, I think there's kind of a lot of fear around it too. You know, like for me, my business partner, Susan, she, and, and she read and reviewed your book, by the way, and she loved it. And she, that's something that's very interesting to her. And she has tarot cards and does readings and all that. And I never want her to, to read, to do a reading for me. I'm, I'm afraid. And I don't know why. I'm just, I have a little reluctance to, I guess I don't, I don't want to hear any bad news, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people misinterpret um, astrology, misunderstand astrology. I have clients telling me, I, I want to come to you, but don't talk to me about the future. And mm. it's not like I'm a kind of a person, you know, in Vedic astrology, for example, a lot of time what happens is that they're very fatalistic. You know, that's what's going to happen and that's it. You're going to get divorced. No, no, that's what's going to happen. I believe, and I think that in Western astrology, we have more space for it because of the nature of our culture, of free will. So I really do believe in the idea of free will, the concept of free will, um, and that astrology is a marriage between our choices and our fate. They're kind of like a connection. And there are certain moments where fate is stronger, certain moments when free will is stronger. Mm -hmm. Now, I've noticed that people that are usually really afraid of it are people who are actually really believing it. Oh. Otherwise, they won't be afraid of it. So even uh, sometimes I've noticed that people that really are afraid of it or really hate it are people that actually are very much influenced by it. <laughs> and it's basically uh, if your friend knows you and she knows that you have some apprehensions and some question about it, uh, she should do it. And I'm sure she does in a very compassionate way and not scare you. Mm -hmm. you know, by telling you things like that. But I also, I'm not a very religious person in general, and I'm not religious about astrology. I travel during Mercury retrograde. I do things that other astrologers would be appalled by, but I do it because I feel that astrology is a tool, the same way that Google Map is a tool, but she might turn tell me to turn right in an ugly street, and I'm not going to turn right. Mm. You know, I'm going to turn, I'm going to continue until I find the road I like, even <laughs> though Google Map told me to turn left. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the same thing with astrology. It's a map. Okay. There's no reason to be afraid of a map. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> I like that analogy. That that helps me understand things better, too, and myself better. Now, you talk about some important dates in 2023. What are some of the key times that readers should be aware of? So in 2023, first of all, pay attention to the retrogrades. It's always very important. In the book, I list all of them. There's like 280 uh, entries in the book of dates that are very significant that you can plan your business, your relationships, uh, when you're going to get married, when you're going to divorce and so forth. But mm -hmm. the most important thing is, first of all, the eclipses. So we're going to have April 20th, May 5, October 14 and 28 eclipses that quicken things. So around that time, things are going to move really fast. There's going to be Venus retrograde between June 22nd to September 5, which is the worst time to get married, get engaged, buy big things, make big purchases. But it's a great time for getting money back or for anything that has to do with um, a, you can refinance your home, you know, get it's not the best time to get loans, but you can uh, pay off loans very well. Mm. But again, very difficult time in a relationship. And from now, basically, until middle of January, we have Mars retrograde, which is not a good time to take anybody to court to do any elective surgeries, if possible, to avoid a you're more prone to conflict. So just to pay attention to it. And of course, there is the Mercury retrograde. Uh, that is happening April 20th to May 16th, August 23rd to September 16th, and then also in the last few days of uh, 2023. But of course, there's many more dates that are important to pay attention to, but that's why the book is so thick. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of books about astrology on the market. So how does your book, The Astrology of 2023, and your series stand apart from the others? Well, it's completely different format because most of the books that are out there are just like the third part of my book, which mm. basically means every sign, just read it, shut up for the rest of the signs. You know what I mean? Like I'm, go I'm buying it just for that. Some people actually sell books just for Aries, just for Taurus. 
for me, A, it's boring and too technical. And I think that sometimes astrologers lose astrology with uh, too many aspects and too many uh, progression and transits and directions. And, and then at the end of the day, uh, there is no clarity. So for me, the first part of the book that actually talks about the trends and the major um, events that are happening, and what happened last time they happened in history. You know, I go to the point where we talk about uh, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem that happened in Pluto in Aquarius, you know, the same thing that's going to happen next year. Uh, or crazy fanatical things that happen with religion every time Saturn is in Pisces. So the first part of the book is the most important one. For example, in the book of 2020, and a lot of people, you know, pointed it out, in the book of 2020, which is the book of the pandemic, but I didn't know it because I was writing it in the summer of 2019. Yeah. I mentioned that if we look back in history, the same aspects that we have in 2020, we had in 82, 83. And I specifically mentioned there was a recession there and the AIDS pandemic took over the world. Mm. So I specifically warned that there is going to be some form of virus. And well and behold, there was a recession, of course, and the AIDS um, virus is the same as SARS and the same as COVID. It's the, it's the same family. Mm -hmm. It's zoonotics. So I literally talk about zoonotics and, and that kind of um, uh, viruses. So the first part of the book, I think, is completely different and doesn't exist in other uh, books that I've met of uh, the next year astrology because they just maybe they give people what they absolutely want, which is just me, me, me. And for me, it's really important that you understand you're a social creature and you're in a context right now. So you might be, I don't know, a Taurus with Jupiter in Taurus moving next year in May. You're going to have the best year. Yeah, but if there is a pandemic going on, it ain't going to be that good. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That does really make your book stand apart. I get the, the me, me, me part, but I when I read something, I guess I just want more, you know, and so yeah. you provide the more. Or to understand the context. I think it's yeah, providing yeah. the context. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of feedback do you get from readers? Do they share their experiences with you that they got from reading your book? Or what kind yeah, of Yeah, first of all, I'm very lucky that I have, um, we just published it and I have already 24 reviews in Amazon from people. So people really vibe with it. In past years, yeah, I get a lot of, uh, that's how, I, you know, sometimes I forget what I write. Uh, and people mention it. Oh, you know, in page this and this, you uh, said this will happen. And look, this is actually happening right now in the news. So that's why every Sunday at 10 o'clock in Pacific Standard Time, I give a free class that I started in the pandemic because I figured people are locked at home. They need to get distracted or maybe they need to see things uh, that are happening right now as they might be from above. So every Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning, I do this uh, Zoom and live Instagram that uh, is a free class about the week, the astrology of the week ahead, and also major things, major trends that are happening. And I can see from that group how much uh, the information that provided in the book helped them deal with specific things that happen uh, in life. Mm, that's a great resource. And so there's that on your website. And you also you share a, a, just a, a whole bunch of information on your website. So if someone wanted to take a deeper dive into astrology, they can start with your weekly classes and and what what other kind of resources do you have for readers wanting to take things a step further well on my website under learn there's a lot of free things there i added uh, a free meditation uh, to activate the planets of next year uh, there is a lot of uh, written things that i like articles and blogs that i write there 
And there is a lot of uh, books out there that you can um, connect to with astrology. But I think that it's really about trying to, let's say, if you work with the book, to try to understand how you connect the above and the below. Because maybe the new moon for you is energy and for another person, it's really feeling tired. It's really important to connect, to understand the connection between you and the skies in a sense. Okay. So is there like a um, a recommended way to work through your book? I think that you should read your sun sign and your rising sign if you know it in the third part. But in the first part, I think that, uh, again, one of the things that people told me from past year is that they literally take the entry. I mean, all of those dates that I mentioned in the first part of the book, which I told you is called a special guest star and work with that to put it in their calendar so they know, oh, today it's not a good day to do business because Uranus is, um, I don't know, is, is tr uh, sitting on top of Mars. But next week, we're going to have Venus and Mars training. So that's a great time for money. So I'll do the meeting then. Oh. So that's why I decided to do that calendar so people can just download it for free. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Now, do you work with individuals? Do you do any type of coaching or anything like that? I do personal readings. Yeah. So I do charts for people and astrology. Uh, I teach classes. Um, I'm, I have a lot of webinars. If they go to my website, cosmicnavigator.com, you can find always, I, I go all over the world. So I'm going to be in the next two months in London, Paris, uh, Tel Aviv, Istanbul, Sofia, New York. So I travel quite a lot to give classes, workshops, readings. And a lot of these uh, workshops are webinars. So they're workshops that have to do with numerology, color therapy, past lifetime regressions. I do quite a lot, uh, mythology classes. Mm. So now is the time to buy your book to, to prepare for the upcoming year. Yeah, that's why I make sure to write it in the summer so I can publish it in the fall. All right, right. Okay. So, well, is there anything else you wanted to share with us today? Um, I think it's going to be a pretty intense year next year. So it's really important to prepare for it, not to be scared of it, not to say, I don't want to hear it because it's going to be bad, but much more like, what can I do in order to make it the best? Mm -hmm. And always when there is crisis, there is expansion, meaning that you have to reach sometimes the rock bottom in order to jump up. Otherwise, you're just hanging in the air, you know. So it is a year of transformation and change. I recommend for people to go back to 93, 94, 95 and see what was going on in their life then because there might be some replication and also what happened in 2003, 2004, 2005 because those are years that are relevant to 2023. Well, Gal, it's been so interesting having you today. Thank you for joining us and, and sharing a bit about yourself and your work. Thanks a lot for having me and have an amazing holiday season and 2023. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Gal Sasan, author of The Astrology of 2023, Traversing the Bridge. To learn more about Gal Sasan and his work, visit his website at CosmicNavigator.com. And be sure and check out our other interviews on InsideScoopLive.com. <laughs>